0: Hey there, Michael here. Here's the top line news. Where we go next will be back July 11th. There's some great interviews on the way that I loved recording, and I think you're going to love listening to them. So that's the big announcement. But if you'd like to stick around a little while longer, I'll tell you why I'm taking a break. My good friend Kevin, a kind, creative, intelligent, incisive man, and this show's very first fan, Took his own life on April 19th. I imagine every person who has dealt with chronic depression has had a different experience with it. Though Kevin and I spoke often about our shared struggles with mental illness, I will never know quite how depression manifested itself within his mind. But I've personally wrestled with the disorder on and off since about 2009, and I can tell you how it manifests within me. First, come the intrusive thoughts. Now, we've all had these, and they vary from person to person, but the common thread is their irrationality. An intrusive thought could be a phrase like, you're worthless, or nobody loves you. It could be an image in your mind, like a loved one who's perfectly well getting injured or dying. It could even be an urge to do something you'd never actually do Like when you're chopping vegetables with a knife and all of a sudden, for the briefest of moments, the thought of stabbing your pet flashes across your mind. And most people can just instantly dismiss these thoughts. Intrusive thoughts are a sort of naturally occurring glitch in the human brain. Perhaps a misfiring synapse. And they can usually be tossed aside quite easily, mostly because of how absolutely wrong and nonsensical they are my friend doesn't hate me, my mother isn't hurt, I don't want to stab my dog. And so we brush intrusive thoughts aside like an insect that's landed on our shirt. But the first sign of depression, for me, is when I suddenly can't dismiss them. Instead, these toxic thoughts multiply, congest, and overwhelm. And after several days of these thoughts clogging up inside of my head, harassing and hammering me. That's what causes my depression. It's a kind of sadness that overcomes me once I realize that I cannot stop the irrational, harmful thoughts engulfing my own mind. A childhood friend of mine who lives here in LA has tinnitus as a result of going to one too many loud concerts without ear protection. Tinnitus is a consequence of hearing loss. It's a ringing or buzzing noise in one or both ears that never goes away. Once you have it, it's with you for the rest of your life. He tells me that when there's any sort of low ambient noise, his tinnitus fades into the background. It's only in absolute silence that he notices the ever-present ringing. Depression, as I have experienced it, is a kind of Mental and emotional tinnitus. It's ever-present, even during moments of intense workload or distraction or genuine happiness. It's just there, a soft ringing in the background beneath the din of life. Distraction, the ambient noise we fill our days with, can keep the tinnitus at bay. But in a moment of silence, it's all I could ever hear, my own mind telling me harmful lies about myself, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. That's why, in the worst of it, from about 2014 to 2020, I was visited often by suicidal ideation. Not because I wanted to die. Nobody wants to die. I was just exhausted. And I didn't want to be exhausted anymore. Starting this podcast was, in some ways, an act of survival for me. A Hail Mary effort to give myself some purpose. To provide myself a thing to set my mind to. To distract it from the dark places it kept wanting every day to go. I don't know where I would be, who I would be, if I hadn't forced myself In desperation to start recording three years ago. The isolation of the pandemic's first months exacerbated many of the symptoms I had successfully mitigated in the previous years. And as a result, my self confidence had absolutely cratered. So when I decided to start the podcast in 2020, I didn't tell anyone I knew about it, save about five people, two of whom were my parents. And the first person, I ever told was Kevin, because he knew what I was going through better than perhaps anyone else in my life, as he and I struggled with the same chronic, often crippling disease. And so Kevin, more than even my parents, grasped the significance of this show for me. So when I first told him about the idea to start it, he understood why I had To do it, he understood what it meant to me, and importantly, he understood what it symbolized. The podcast launched in September of that year, and while it gained an audience of strangers who found it online, I was only ever thinking of a handful of people I personally knew when I was doing prep, or recording, or editing. And the person I thought about more than anyone during that time was Kevin. He was on my mind when I booked a new guest. I'd excitedly text him the news. When I'd release an episode, I'd wonder when he'd listen to it. Kevin had good taste. He could be stubborn and extremely opinionated. If he didn't like something, he'd let you know. (laughs) And quickly. But that meant when he really did enjoy something, he wasn't bullshitting you. And so... I knew if he liked it, I did a good enough job. I don't get feedback from listeners often, and honestly, I don't expect to. There are podcasts out there that I have listened to for years, and I have never sent the hosts a single email. But I came to look forward to hearing from Kevin each and every time I'd hit publish on a new recording. And every single episode, he'd send me a text to let me know he'd listened, and he'd share his opinions on the conversation. Sometimes it would be paragraphs, sometimes just a few sentences. He'd even call me to talk about it if he really had a lot to say. But he never missed a single one all the way through April 10th of this year when he messaged me to let me know he'd listened to episode 75. SSRIs were quite helpful to both Kevin and I. He came to calling us the Lexa Bros because of our shared positive experiences with the antidepressant Lexapro. And through a combination of medication, therapy, and active self-betterment, it seemed like Kevin and I truly turned the corner on what writer Andrew Solomon has called the noonday demon, right around the same period, sometime between 2021 and 2022. But it came back to him this year. I only wish he had told me. You may have noticed I've been missing my publishing deadlines. Kevin was so deeply intertwined with this podcast in my mind that it's been difficult to work on it without thinking about him. I owe so much of where and how I am today because of this show. I love where we go next. But right now, I am enveloped by a sadness that is making that love difficult to feel. And struggling against it isn't helping. It is only wearing me down. I am making myself exhausted in my attempts to diminish and ignore what I am feeling. That's not helping me. It's not helping the people who care about me. And it's certainly not helping the show. It's just a misguided attempt to pretend that this doesn't hurt as much as it does. And who am I pretending for? I'm not asking for sympathy, and I am certainly not asking for understanding. Because to understand depression, to actually understand it, one has to live through it. And so I would rather you not understand, and I hope that you never do. And those who have never endured the truly mind-warping effects of depression will never comprehend why someone suffering from it would take their own life. Those who have never been doggedly hounded by suicidal ideation, like Kevin was, like I have been, will look at a life like his and correctly note that the math doesn't add up. Kevin's life, by every measurable metric, was going extremely well. After leaving behind a decade long and successful career in the entertainment industry here in Los Angeles, he moved back to his home state of Texas, and through sheer brute force and dogged determination, he taught himself how to code, started at an entry-level position in that industry, but quickly acquired promotion after promotion and ultimately landed a senior engineering job and a six-figure salary after only four years. He made a whole new group of local friends who cherished him And I imagine the same way so many of us here in LA did. He meditated, rode his bike, and hiked often, hosted weekly game nights at his home, a home I was finally aiming to visit this year. All the photos he sent gave me a real sense of the place. He accomplished so much in his life. He was loved by so many people, myself included. And the reason I have shared a small portion of my own battle with depression and suicidal ideation and why it's important to me that you know how successful and loved Kevin was, is that you can never and will never be able to understand when someone with depression is driven to do what he did. Because suicide in and of itself is irrational. You cannot make sense of it or it will never make sense. Today, I am blessed to have family and friends who love me deeply. I have a fulfilling career, I have my health, and I live in a country that millions of people would risk their lives to enter. And in the years that I thought about taking my own life, just to make those relentless, compounding, debilitating, intrusive thoughts finally cease, I was just as blessed So if there's anything you take from this recording, please know this. Nobody wants to die. And to those of you who have ever dealt with depression or are dealing with it right now, please feel free to reach out if you'd like. And if you're in the thick of things, if you're in that dark place, I know too well that what I'm about to say isn't likely to get through to you because it wouldn't have gotten through to me at the time, but I'm going to say to you what I would have said to myself only a few years ago. Life is worth it. And deep down, beneath all the lies that have piled up inside your mind, I know that you know that. And there are people close to you who love you so much, and they want the best for you. And they want you here, They want you to stay. I love you, Kevin. I wish you had stayed. I miss you.